You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. First Peter chapter 3. We'll start in verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for the chance you've given us to assemble. I pray you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself. And we'll never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And when I was a child, I knew that there were certain things that were expected concerning my behavior in church. I knew that there were some things that would not be tolerated and had been taught since birth how to act in God's house. Certain clothes were acceptable for church and some were not. I learned the hard way that you're not supposed to run inside the church and we could not eat or drink in the sanctuary. And getting up to go to the restroom uh, during the service was only under the most urgent necessity was that permitted. Video games and toys were left at home, and talking during the singing or the preaching was absolutely prohibited. It was impossible for me to get away with anything during church because mom was there, granny was there, Annette was there. She was there, but she didn't have as many rules as mom and granny, and granny has less rules than mom, and that's the way it worked. But not only were they there, but there were other people in the pews sitting around me. And they had some rules, and they would be uh, watchful. People sitting behind you or in front of you would set you straight as well. Right? Now, ironically, and what we'll get to today, these are some of the same peoples that would fight each other like tigers in the business meeting. But we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute, right? But there was a decorum. There was a way that you should act in church. And small children are grown and taught that as they come along. And it's a process. I, I don't think that we as the people of God here on Vine Street should expect them to learn that overnight. It takes uh, a long time and they're trained and they're taught. And I know that I can tolerate a small child uh, kind of acting up in church much more than I can grown adults acting up in church. And 
If you spend any time in a local assembly, you've probably encountered grown men and women that act like children inside of God's house. Now, it's not a new phenomenon. Peter, Paul, John, and even Christ dealt with adults that did not know how to act. And uh, this morning in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter gives us some clear instructions on how you and I should treat one another, how you and I should deal with one another. And these truths don't simply apply inside the walls of this church. They are actions that should mark the lives of every Christian. He tells Christians how to respond to authority in chapter 2. He tells the servants how to respond to their masters. He tells Christians' wives how to respond to their unbelieving husbands. He tells husbands how to treat their wives, up in verse 7. So Peter's building up to this all throughout uh, the second and third chapter, and when we get to chapter 3 and verse 8, he's talking especially to us how we ought to act as Christians, especially in God's house. And he begins with something that's vitally important there in verse 8. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind. Be ye all of one mind. The Greek word here literally means being like-minded. And being like-minded is not something that happens only when others agree with you. Okay, I want you to think about that. It's not something that happens when someone only agrees with you. Uh, if I was in control of everything, we would all, all Christians would be General Baptists, and they would like it, right? All Christians would listen to bluegrass music, and they would like it. They would all read the same version of the Bible, and they would like it. But that's not the case, Right? It's not going to happen. We're not going to agree on everything all the time. You and I are going to have differing, different, differing opinions, different likes, dislikes, and that's perfectly fine. Peter's not telling us to be um, exactly the same. He's not demanding uniformity. He's demanding unity, and those are two separate things. Uniformity and unity. And the only way that you and I can achieve like-mindedness is if we agree to focus on the same thing, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. Right? We can't be like-minded any other way. We must have the same purpose, the same focus, the same goal. And when we do that, there is no limit to what God can do with us. Like-mindedness contributed to the success of the early church. Uh, in Acts, verse 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts goes on to write, or to record, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. 
And God used this small group of like-minded people to absolutely turn the world upside down, to spread the message of the gospel to every corner of the world. So for, in order for us to reach a place of unity, we must submit to the will of God. We must be unified, we must be, have a spirit of unity in God's purpose for us here in our community, all working together, all focused on the same goal. The Bible must be our guide for that. Um, we must live according to God's word. We must look to his word for guidance and direction and be focused on the Great Commission. Our very purpose is to give him honor and glory in everything that we do. There are many churches that are filled with conflict and discord, and the reason for that is that they have lost their focus. Somewhere along the way, the church became more about them, and they focused on their own preferences, and they focused on their own emotions. There's a wonderful book in the back of the sanctuary called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. If you haven't read that, I urge that you do. I urge you that you, that you do read that. Because as we gather this morning and as we assemble here, as we've prayed and sang the songs, uh, there's a very real reality that Christ is coming soon, that there is work left to do, that there are people that have not heard the gospel, and there are people, even in our own families, who have not responded. So while you and I are figuring out our unity uh, the world is perishing, and you and I are charged with the responsibility to tell them that God is very much alive, that he died on a cross on Calvary, but rose again for them, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, there's not a shortage of churches in the city of Fairborn. I don't know if you know that or not. Church buildings are very prevalent here. But it's not like it used to be, right? It's not like it used to be. Now, we could be defeated and shake our heads and groan and go on with our lives. Or we can get single-minded, focused on Christ and reaching the lost and do something about that. We can impact this community. There is nothing more powerful than a local church focused on a risen Savior. When God starts to move and work through that uh, avenue, things start happening. Neighborhoods start changing. Communities change. There are places in the world right now where Christians are meeting in grass huts. Now, the Lord has blessed us with the building and property here. We've got a lot to work with. Uh, but it's not about that. Right? This could be done in a grass hut. And some Christians somewhere are worshiping God in abandoned shacks and buildings. No water, no power. Countless believers are meeting behind closed and locked doors for fear of authorities and physical harm. It's my prayer this Thanksgiving that we recognize where we are in history and where we are in our community and the 
uh, labor that lays ahead of us, be thankful for what we have and be thankful to be included in the work. I don't know if you've sat back and thought about that, but as each one of us gather weekly here and pray and uh, do life together, we've been thoroughly blessed that we have each other. Right? We often say that we don't know how people make it without God, which is a very true statement. But I also don't understand how people make it without the local church. That knowing each one of you uh, are with each other, emotionally, physically, whatever the need may be, that God's blessed us with his church. So you and I join together in the purpose of carrying out God's mission here on Vine Street. It's been given to us by our Lord and Savior, a commandment to be like-minded, that we have compassion one of another. And that literally means to suffer with someone, to rejoice when they rejoice, to weep when they weep, to be there physically present in their life. On social media, I didn't see as much of it this year as I have in past years. But one of my favorite thing is when people post that if you're alone on Thanksgiving, come to my house. And that drives me absolutely crazy because you're just saying that. If somebody's alone, the Bible tells us to be a part of their lives. And you should know that they're alone. You should know that they're eating by themselves or don't have enough food to eat or whatever the case may be. We're called to be in each other's lives to that degree. We know when they're hurting and we hurt with them. We know when they're rejoicing and we rejoice with them. Finally, um, Peter tells us that We are to love as brethren there in verse 8. Love as brethren. We are the people of God, that this type of love is essential and marks the life of a Christian. Let's look at what Paul has to say about charity. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, And is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth, but rather there be prophecies, they shall fail, Rather there be tongues, they shall cease. Rather there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then all that which is in part shall be done away. 
When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Do we have this type of charity towards our brothers and sisters in Christ? We are commanded to love one another. And there are some people that are hard to love. That's just the reality of the world. But we're commanded to love them. I read once where, um, <laughs> I think it was part of a song, it said, to live above with saints I love, oh, won't it be glory. But to live below with the saints I know, that's another story. Right? To live below with the saints I know, that's another story. So that's where we get to today. Tomorrow, or next Sunday, I'm sorry, next Sunday, we will have our yearly business meeting. Now, we don't have too much to do. There will be, we'll be, have some time to it. How long uh, have you been here, Brother Jim? Six years. So six years ago, uh, when Brother Jim came, there were some things happening in the land, and uh, you guys had some business meetings, and I attended at that point just to help out and give a little direction, uh, revising the Constitution. The, the goal of that exercise was to shore up the Constitution and bylaws from the outside looking in. So that we would, you guys would be, and I say you guys because at that point I wasn't a part of it, um, unified in a direction from the outside looking in, and we accomplished that. There was a portion of the Constitution that I knew at that time was not uh, as good as it could be, is the words I use, and that is how we dealt with one another on the inside. But I let that go because that wasn't what I was asked to look at. I was only asked to look uh, from the outside in. So next Saturday, or next Sunday after church, uh, we'll take a look at the parts of our Constitution of how we deal with each other on the inside. If you read through our Constitution as a church, what you'll find is... Uh, things that don't quite go together. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, one of my favorite parts is the part about uh, the pastor. And you can... You can see that. Here we go. Uh, and I think it's verse Article 6, down into Section 2, if you happen to have one with you. I doubt you do, though. It says, The pastor shall be elected for, two year, for a two-year period of time. The vote shall be by secret ballot. 
and majority vote of members present shall be, necess- shall be necessary to constitute his election. Then it goes on to say, this is the part where it gets a little wild, it says there will be no vote by proxy or absentee ballot whenever the pastor desires to leave his post, he must notify the church 90 days prior to his leaving. If the church desires the pastor to leave, they must give him a 90-day notice, except in violation of ministerial ethics, at which instance the church shall vacate his office at once, or a change can be made, can be affected by mutual consent. Then earlier in the Constitution, it says, failure of any officer to perform the duties of the office he holds for a period of three months without satisfactory reason shall be considered sufficient occasion to declare the office vacant and immediately elect his or her successor. So basically, within our Constitution, it kind of says you can do whatever you want anytime you want to do it. Because everything, every scenario you could name is, is spelled in there. There is no right way to do it. There is no wrong way to do it uh, with different variables and different instances. So we'll take a look at making these uh, rules on how we deal with one another uh, more coherent from the beginning until the end, if that that makes any sense to you. Uh, So take a look at the Constitution. Look for some things uh, like that. I've been going through it for several weeks now. And that we should know and be in agreement well before uh, anything occurs that this is the process, this is what happens, uh, this is how we vacate somebody's office immediately, and this is the procedure. How this gets all those different things in it is because throughout the years, uh, people who are not here for unity let me put it that way, Uh, began to add things to the bylaws and began to add things to the Constitution so that business meetings would go their way. Does that make sense? Uh, It doesn't, it wasn't nefarious, it it wasn't malicious in their actions. Uh, Most of the time you'd find that they honestly thought they were protecting the church as best they could but it leaves us with a hodgepodge of rules and and things that we have to do. Uh, So we'll take a look at at some of those sequences and make a clearer um, distinction of what it is that we do. Uh, The other thing that we'll be talking about is how to do voting. Um, And I promise you it has nothing to do with what's going on in the nation right now. Uh, but we, we should look at our bylaws from a spirit of unity and what uh, we can do in practice to promote unity and like-mindedness uh, here. Uh, Sister Sweeney will not be with us for the business meeting. And, and in that case, in our uh, goal of like-mindedness, uh, we should have an avenue in our Constitution where she's able to be represented here in some form or fashion. Um, I'll also say that under these constitutions, these older ones that are left over from the 70s and 80s, there was a tradition where the membership roles were much larger than what we have them at, what I call a healthy 
level where our membership actually reflects the people that are here. So when you keep a membership role at a healthy level that actually reflects the people that are here, you can extend voting to those members, whether if they're in California during the uh, business meeting or not. Uh, when you have inflated roles, two, three hundred members and 20 active attending people, you can't do that uh, because anything can happen. So next Sunday, we'll sit down and we'll discuss that. The finances look fantastic. Uh, the only thing I can say about those is your pastor's been spending, but that's okay. It's all, it's all under control. Uh, and next year looks fantastic. Uh, but I'll have all that for you next Sunday. We are going to forego our uh, Christmas dinner due to the pandemic. I didn't want to uh, gather us together more than we absolutely had to. Uh, and we can't get away from this business meeting. Uh, so we've decided to have both in the same day. And we'll just order some pizza during the business meeting and have that as our Christmas celebration this year, unfortunately. Um, stand with me this morning.